and Rennie Show is brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, and Homefield. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after... Well, you know what? Let me switch this up. Let's do something different. Let's do a Rennie hot take out of the gate here. And we all know Rennie's hot takes aren't your traditional hot takes. They, 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 they just become fact after a while. I'm just right with these so often that they become fact. So I'm going to throw one out here, and I'm going to say that on a night where the Jets pulled the old rope-a-dope against the New York Rangers, I'm going to go out on the, on a limb and say by the time it's all said and done, the rope-a-dope won't be known for something that Muhammad Ali pulled off. When it's all said and done, when this Jets core is done and has its way, the rope-a-dope will be known more for the Winnipeg Jets and less for Muhammad Ali. People around the world will say, you've been rope-a-doped, and they will think of Connor Hellebuck, and they'll think of Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor and players like that. And then second, distant in the back of their mind, they will think, oh yeah, didn't some old boxer pull off something similar? Or didn't he try and copy the Winnipeg Jets with the rope-a-dope style? That's what's going to happen, because these Winnipeg Jets pull this off so often, it's getting ridiculous at this stage. I mean... I will say this. The Jets needed a win tonight. They needed a win. I think it's one of those times where you have to kind of just park it and say the Jets couldn't be going and losing three games in a row. Uh, you go on a road trip like this, especially with what's happening with all the teams that had just passed them in the standings. The Jets needed a win here, period. So it is one of those nights, and you heard this from their head coach, you know, two points are two points. A win is a win. They've got to take that away from it. But it's funny because you see some people in the chat room here. Uh, Pat Rathwell says, so we beat the Rangers twice now. Does that make us an elite team yet? Yes, Pat. Yes. The Winnipeg Jets allowing 51 shots against their goaltender and finding a way to win that game most definitely makes them an elite team in the NHL at this stage. The thing I find that that is interesting about this is I've noticed quite a bit. uh, I don't know if it's Twitter and Twitter is not always uh, the the place to find, uh, you know, the most accurate polling of how a fan base feels. But I see there's a lot of frustrated Jets fans after a game like that. And it surprises me because I thought all along that this was the kind of win that Jets fans loved. It has been in the past. I know when I started kind of railing against the idea of the Jets needing to start winning more games that they deserve to win other than pulling out games that they maybe didn't deserve to win. People used to get, you know, call me a downer and they used to say that I was negative and people, you know, would stop me in the street and tell me I needed to smile more and, and things like that because they, they hated it when I, I would point this out and they didn't think it was valid. Now, I don't know if people are switching. I don't know if this has just happened for so many years with the Winnipeg Jets. Feels to me that the celebration is not as, you know, vigorous at, as it typically is after a Jets win, especially against a team like this. You let me know how you're feeling in the chat room right now. Like, I don't know if you take a look at this and say, this is whatever it takes for the Jets to pick themselves up and dust themselves off. That's what it's going to take. Or you just take from this that this is another night that Connor Hellebuck came in and stole a game and that this is something that, you know, there's no reason to think the Jets take it forward. I I don't know. I don't know how this works. I think 
you can't look at it as a bad thing in the way that the Jets get two points when they desperately needed two points uh, on a night where the Calgary Flames, who would be, you know, probably a team that has to pass the Winnipeg Jets if the Winnipeg Jets were ever to fall out of the playoffs, like Maul on our show has said is most definitely going to happen, and which I have come out and said, relax, people, don't worry, that is not going to be happening. A night like this makes that a lot more likely that that's not going to happen. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I don't know at this stage if this is a sign of a goalie picking up a team and a team turning around after this and saying, our goalie had our back. Our goalie got had us covered. They got you covered. Uh, and we're going to get back for that. Or if this is just another example of Connor Hellebuck hiding the problems, staving off the inevitable with the Winnipeg Jets. I'll tell you this. Allowing 51 shots. Uh, a lot of them high danger. Uh, that's no way to win a hockey game. That's no way to win in the playoffs. Connor Hellebuck, as good as he is, cannot do this every night. But boy, oh boy, was he good on this night. That's my take on the whole thing. Time to bring in on my main man, Kenny, to see what his take is on the whole thing. The man with the best music in the business. Here comes Ken. Ken, I will tell you, uh, there's there's something that's been beefing me here ever since this game ended. I've had people sending me messages. One here, like from Richard Medeiros, who says MVP performance tonight. I don't know where Richard gets up. He messaged me during the broadcast, and I had a conversation with him trying to tell me that I'm wrong and that uh, Josh Morrissey is not the MVP of this team. And he somehow thinks that tonight's performance by Connor Hellebuck is evidence of that on the biggest stage in New York, in the home of the NHL, uh, NHL offices anyways, in the most famous arena. Connor Hellebuck comes out and absolutely steals the show, and this is supposed to be some kind of evidence of an MVP performance. I think Richard's getting ahead of himself. I I've got the feeling that you're going to jump on board with Richard, though I don't know why. It's just a feeling, but uh, what did you see out there tonight, Ken? Uh, well, a dominant performance by a netminder uh, who felt it was important to have one. I mean, Connor has been given the Jets a chance on virtually every night this season. Um, he had to be very good. He had to be excellent. It's it's funny. I mean, purely to saying he was very good. That was a, that was an understatement and uh, he's right. I mean, it was a dominant performance and Sean, I mean, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. I mean, is that the formula for the Jets? No, but there are nights when another team is better than the team that is playing in front of a goalie, and sometimes the Jets need a goalie to steal a game for them. And it was an important time of the season for the Jets to do that, and Connor Hellebuck did his part. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I there were elements that were very good for the Jets. Uh, in that game, they came out with much more energy. Uh, their intensity level was way higher. Uh, after, I mean, we, we heard what Rick... Bonus had to say, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But 
Uh, he basically was threatening to reduce ice time for players who didn't play with yes. passion. Yes. And uh, we, I saw a lot of guys playing with passion. So uh, I understand the Jets got caved in on the shot clock, but um, it wasn't super taxing. And I, this wasn't what we always talk about the San Jose game, right? When we, when we think about 50 shots, uh, we think about San Jose, the game at San Jose where Connor Hellebuck was under siege and under fire. I mean, yes, he did have to save. Uh, you know, I think it was 29 of 30 slot shots and 19 high danger chances in all situations, according to the good folks at Natural Stat Trick. Uh, but I, I didn't feel as though the Jets were hemmed in, um, you know, and kind of hanging on for dear life. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't, you know, that's, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois was quick to say, you know, you can't lean on your goalie like that all the time. Um, but, I mean, if you want to win rounds and series, I mean, goalies have to do that once in a while. And, uh, you know, opportunistic scoring, as you mentioned, has been a, a hallmark for the Jets at times, and it was tonight. And for me, we what did we spend yesterday, most of yesterday's show talking about? I mean, team hadn't scored, I mean, barely more than two goals per game uh, for 12 games. I mean, 28 goals in 12 games wasn't good enough. What did the Jets do today? They put up four against one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League and against a goalie who, you know, even though the Jets got three on 10 shots, it wasn't that Chesterkin was was struggling. I mean, he stopped Kyle Connor in a breakaway. He made a couple other ridiculous saves. And, you know, he was fine, but he was the second best goalie in the game. I mean, Connor Hellebuck was the best goalie in the game by a sizable margin. And that's the kind of game the Jets needed. Um, So... I don't think they need to apologize. I mean, at the same time, they need to play a lot better on Wednesday. No doubt about that. But I think there were pieces of the game that the Jets would be happy with. And, you know, most importantly, their big guns got the job done offensively. I mean, I know Mark Shifley had a bad turnover on the only goal against, but he went back and scored an absolute beauty. I mean, this is the thing that gets me, you know, people go, oh, Ben Shifley. Well, Mark Schleif has got 34 goals. I mean, mistakes are going to happen. Does he need to clean that play up? Of course. He had two turnovers on the same shift, including one right in front of the net. But he also produces an awful lot of offense. I mean, Sean, you're at the game covering it. I mean, how much defense did you see Artemi Panarin playing today? Not a lot, but he's a creative player, and he puts up a lot of points. Uh, Mark's effort level has been you know, pretty good. His puck management, um, you know, at times wasn't as good today. Um, no, AJ Jets back. He was not terrible. He scored two highlight real goals. Uh, he had some issues defensively, but terrible is different. Terrible looks way different. Uh, Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley had a couple of absolute beauty connections. And, you know, of course, we always talk about this, about Shifley and Connor. They need to get more than they gave up. Tonight, I think they got more than they gave up, even though they gave up one. So, I mean, that's happening. Uh, you know, self-inflicted wounds have been prevalent the last three nights for the Jets, um, you know, at the start of this road trip. But today they found a way to get the job done. I mean, how will this how will this found trip end? Way. Let's find. I mean, they found a way by goaltending, uh, but they also scored. I mean, the, the goal is to get more than the other team. I mean, this is the thing. Some people say, I mean, I don't think the New Jersey or the much like the Devils the night before. I don't think the Rangers looked tired. I mean, that maybe probably wasn't their best game, but their speed was prevalent. They played fine. Their power play was kept under wraps by the Jets' penalty kill, which was 4-for-4. 
I thought they played with fire. They took a couple of, you know, unnecessary offensive zone minors. That, again, they need to clean up. But their penalty kill bailed them out. And Connor Hellebuck basically willed their, his team to victory today. I mean, that's that's how I saw it. But I also don't think the Jets have to apologize for that. When a team is going through a rut, you find a way to try to get the job done. And, and they did. I mean, again, I'm not advocating for the Jets to play that style on Wednesday. But I don't think it was completely terrible. I don't think they were lackluster defensively. They need to tighten up with a few things, of course. But the Rangers are a fast team. I thought they looked, you know, yesterday the Devils made the Jets look slow at times. I didn't know think that was the same case uh, this evening. I thought the Jets skated a lot better. Their intensity was much higher. They were engaged. And, you know, for the most part, I think there were pieces of the game they would like a lot. And there are other things that they're going to need to clean up, which is which is normal. I mean, they're within a point of Dallas. I mean, they're not putting hanging any banners for that. But they're still in it. I mean... Had the Jets lost three in a row, people would want to, you know, the pitchforks would have been out again. I mean, let's see what happens on Wednesday. They go 2-2 two and two on this trip. It's way different than having gone 0-4. I mean, the Islanders aren't going to be a pushover either, Sean. We know this. Um, they lost Matthew Barzell, but, it, you know, last I checked, they were up on the Penguins. Did they finish? They closed the game out. They were up 4-2. Uh, we'll check there later. Uh, anyways, sorry. The, what, you're the asking if the Penguins won tonight? No, the Islanders won, right? The Islanders yeah, were 4-2. Yes. yes, they won. So, yeah. I mean, they're not going to just roll over for the Jets. Um, they're in a playoffs, playoff race as well. Um, you know, it's a long season. Things are going to happen. I mean, Connor Hellebuck put the team on his back this evening. I mean, that, that, that happens. So, that's what elite goaltenders are paid to do. I mean... I know you were kind of mocking someone who said earlier. I mean, no, two wins. This is the beauty of hockey. The Jets had two losses to the worst team in the league in the Columbus Blue Jackets. They have two wins against one of the best teams in the NHL in the Rangers. That's what happens over the course of an 82-game schedule. I mean, if you're Gerard Gallant, you're probably thrilled with 75% of the game today, right? But it didn't matter. You got no points for that, but that's a process kind of game the rangers think if they play that game in a seven game series the rangers probably win the series 4-1 or 4-2 at the max right so yeah i i can i can tell you this right now i mean i listened in i had the headset in for uh Gerard yeah. post game he had no problem with that game for his team nor should I mean, he was he wasn't walking away from that game and saying we need to change this we need to do this we need to do that listen I, i've got time for a lot of the arguments that people are making. And I, you know what? I'm kind of glad. I'm glad the people uh, that, that a lot of the people are coming out who are celebrating this kind of stuff. Um, because I, I, love, I love the debate. I love having this debate with people think that, that, who think that this is the way, right? Well, the old Mandalorian. This is the way. I know you're not saying that, but there are some people in the chat room who are saying that, who are saying this is the perimeter stuff on the outside. And, and they really didn't have that good of chances, and the Jets had the higher chance and all that. And there weren't really, you know, there weren't really that many slot shots. I think there was something like 14 30. high danger shots. 14 high danger shots, 30 Sorry, slot nine, shots. 19, like including the power plays. So in all situations, 19, 19 high 19. danger shots. Counting the power play, yes. Five on that, five. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Five like, on five, it was 14 seven. The, anyway, anyway, 
my I, I've got time for this because I do think the Jets actually played really good in the zone. There weren't any backdoor tappings or there weren't any no doubters or anything like that, right? So I've got time for that. Here's what I don't have time for: the people who are saying that this is the way and this is the legitimate way to win a game. At some point, you would have thought that the Winnipeg Jets, rather than just sitting back and saying, let's just go into a shell, would decide to go out and get the puck and possess it for a while and go and cram it down New, or New York's throat and like you know, spend some time in their zone and, and rough them up and put them to the test. Like None of that happened here tonight. The Winnipeg Jets got their offense based on the fact that New York was spent was entirely had their skis turned straight downhill, trying to solve a goaltender they couldn't solve, and then weren't ready to come back and defend the other way because the Jets got the lead, and then a goaltender absolutely stole the show. This is not the way that you get to where you're trying to go. Now, is it? A, I'm the first one to say they needed two points tonight. How you get two points is two points, right? They got it. Fine, move on with that. But I just, I, I will never agree with the people in our chat room and the people in Jets World who have seen this play happen over and over and over and over and over again over the years and think that this is the way, that think that this is somehow a way that the Jets are going to play their way into the playoffs and into success in the playoffs. It's not the way you do it. They got by with their goaltender tonight. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, it's 4-1 and it looks like that on the clock. If they, if, if they get one pass counter Hellebuck early and it's a tie game, it's an entirely different game. The Jets aren't capitalizing on the offense that they get at that point because they don't have a team that's entirely zeroed in on trying to solve a goalie that they can't solve. Now, is Connor Hellebuck part of the Winnipeg Jets? Yes, he is. And so before I go and say, and people say he's part of the team, and you, you, you know, hey, Gary Galley said it on, on the uh, broadcast tonight, you never apologize for who your goaltender is. But this has been the Jets' goaltender since before 2018. And it, the play doesn't end well when the Winnipeg Jets turn around as a team and say, let's just let them throw everything they have at Connor Hellebuck and we'll jump on the puck and go the other way and score a goal. It works for some games. It doesn't work over on the whole. So, again, in order to, to elicit two points, it worked tonight. That's the way it, 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 that, that's, that worked on this night. But anyone... Anyone who is celebrating this as the Jets having somehow found a, finding a secret sauce and being the better team than the Rangers tonight are just so off base, it's not even fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say this. Josh Morrissey said it to me after the game, Sean. I mean, the one thing about the high volume, most of the, the Jets did a good job of keeping the front of the net mostly clean. There weren't a lot of screens. I mean, Connor Hellbuck had to fight through some things. For the most part... Hellebuck could see the majority of the shots. And as Josh Morrissey pointed out, when Hellebuck can see it, generally Hellebuck can stop it. So uh, I, I'm not saying they want to uh, give this I, I volume, agree. but I don't think he needs I, I to agree. apologize. I mean, I occasionally an elite goalie steals a hockey game. That's what happened today. To apologize. And, but to hear BA splits as this isn't and hasn't been the template of this team being ninth in the NHL all year. It's one win. This is just, this is wrong. We've gone through this. We did this in one of our broadcasts. The Winnipeg Jets win an inordinate amount of games in which they are the second best team. It's happened 
I mean, in half their, close to half their wins, sorry, it was 40% of their wins at one point this year. They were being outshot in those wins and they're getting outchanced in the inner slot overall in the game in like 30% of their wins. This is very much, this is the template. BA split, you're, you're wrong. This isn't and hasn't been the template of this team. This is quite often their template. This is the Winnipeg Jets more than almost any other team in the league finding a way to do what they did tonight. And I'm saying, fine, if, if that's the team and if BA split, you think this is, this is the way, the Mandalorian, this is the way. If you think this is the way, this is how the Jets have played in years past. And there's a lot of people out there who see it. This does not end well in the playoffs. If you think that you're going to go out in the game and put up 14 shots, I guess by the end of the game it was 20 shots or something like that. But if you think at some point you're going to be outshot 40 to 14 and you are going to succeed in the playoffs like that, I guess stick to that. Let's see where it takes you. That's all I got to say. Ken, time to move on. It's time to go. Oh, sorry. Before we do that, I did want to say uh, a lot of the comments, like BA splits can get to, you know, that can get up on the screen because I think you're entirely wrong. Sometimes you can be on for being entirely right. Savage 09100 knows how to get on the screen there. He says, good evening, everyone. Sean, you were looking good tonight. I appreciate that. <laughs> Someone else had said to me in here that this was the... Uh, Nice. Oh, here we go. In Bones We Trust. As Rennie, that was your best suit yet tonight. Just there you saying. go. It's Just one of the new skate. ones. Got to throw out the fire uh, that we get from uh, the boys, uh, Frankie and the boys over at Vittorio Rossi. The reason we look like this, the reason I'm getting compliments is not because I know how to dress myself. It's because Frankie and the boys down at Vittorio Rossi know how to dress me and they know how to dress you, Ken. Uh, phenomenal guys down there. We are so happy. Uh, not only that they dress us, but they, they are a part the Kenny and Rennie podcast. Thank you so much to them. Now let's move on to the lamplighter of the night. Ken, what did you have? Yeah, I mean, it's only an insurance marker uh, in terms of its importance. But, you know, given what I had said earlier about the bad turnover by Shifley on the Rangers goal from Vincent Trocek, uh, his give and go and ridiculous backhand shelf uh, backhander past Igor Shesterkin is the lamplighter. I mean, it's one of those vintage plays that we've seen from Shifley and Connor. Shifley kind of drags to the middle, flips it over to the boards. Connor finds Shifley, and rather than try to get it onto his forehand and rip it, he absolutely, it's a its a Mike Keane backhand clapper almost. I mean, absolutely beautiful backhand, 34th goal of the year for Shifley. And it was important because if the Rangers get that to 3-2, based on how the Jets have played in third periods the last two games, you know, all bets are off. So uh, I think that's that's my choice. I mean, there were a couple of good options in this game, uh, but I would definitely say, you know, you know, we're going to talk about Josh Morrissey in a bit, but uh, I think the Shifley goal is my lamplighter personally. Yeah, I, I've got all day for that. Uh, I'm on board with it. Uh, and hey, if you're on board with it, why don't you share us and tell us that that's your lamplighter. But if you think that maybe it was Josh Morrissey's puck that I think ended up going to Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I thought had a phenomenal game. We're going to have to talk about him. Or any of yes. the other goals here tonight. Uh, share that with us. Tell us about your lamplighter and you are automatically entered to win an eight-pack of frosty, delicious lamplighter amber ale from our friends at Transcanna Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to hand you your own eight-pack, head on down and get one of your own at Transcanna Brewing Company. Join them in their tap room at 11290 Keniston. Uh, great pizza, great beer. They got it all. Head on down there. Check it out. Uh, Ken, uh, let's hop right into the Gotcha Covered play of the game as well. Uh, brought to you by our friends at Johnson Group. 
Yeah, buddy, this time I'm ready for you. I marked a few down during the course of the game, and one of them you used on the broadcast. Uh, it will be the, uh, I believe, derriere save by Dylan DeMello. Mm. Uh, Vincent Trocek, again, who is all over the place in this game today, uh, took a sweeping backhand rebound attempt, and uh, Dylan DeMello had his um, pant, hockey pants facing Trocek, and I believe after Hellebuck, had stopped one with his mask, I believe. Uh, DeMello took care of the rest and prevented a sure goal, and that's why it was my choice for the We've Got You Covered play of the game sponsored by the OGs at the Johnson Group. Yeah, I got to tell you, here's a little bit about the behind-the-scenes stuff, I got to say. So during the game, I see that happen, and it jogs my memory that this has happened mm-hmm. a number of times by Dylan DeMello throughout this season. I remember one was a game-saver right at the end. I believe the same game is that Buffalo where Connor Hellebuck also picks the puck out of the air in between his heels like Dorothy uh, uh, on Wizard <laughs> of Oz saying there's no place like home. Um and so I give Ken a little bit of a text, and I ask him if he can remember uh, which games those happened in. I got to say, uh, I gave the people in the truck a heads up. They found it pretty quick, and that's how live TV kind of comes together quickly like that. And we were able to show you that pack uh, of the times this season that Dylan DeMello has stolen goals away from the goal line. Boy, oh boy, I, I love the way... Dylan DeMello plays. I love that hand-eye coordination that he has uh, to steal that puck away earlier like they showed in the Buffalo game. I just, I, what I love about him, Ken, is this sense that he gets that there's danger afoot and what he does is he just collapses into the net and says, okay, there's a couple more square feet that Connor Hellebuck doesn't have to worry about in this situation. It's pretty simple. I wonder why we don't see it happen more often. I think the answer to that is not as easy as it looks. I think it's a little bit of a high IQ play to know where to go in that net so that you're not getting in the way of your goaltender. Dylan DeMello seems to be able to find the space that Connor Hellebuck is in and has taken care of and understand the other space that he can take away. All that said, I think tonight's was a little bit more of a fluke play, uh, but I've got all the time in the world for him as being the Johnson Group Got You Covered play of the game. Brought to you by the Kenny and Rennie OGs at the Johnson Group. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses, and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Ken, uh, I know people have been talking about it, um, the interview that I had at the end of the game with Connor Hellebuck had a little bit of fun with him. Uh, he, I, I asked him a question I knew that he'd get a little bit of a chuckle out of, and he gave me a great answer. Basically, I said to him, um, there are rules that exist on why goaltenders are not supposed to be playing back-to-back games. Remind me what those rules are and tell me why they do not apply to you. And he, he kind of chuckled about it and said, I don't know what those rules exist. I can't tell you what they are. I love playing in back-to-backs, and he sure showed it here tonight. Another interview I had at the beginning of the game was with Pierre-Luc Dubois, and one of the questions that I asked him, and you and I texted a little bit about this, uh, the bench interview, I hope everybody caught it. Um, I'd asked him about his own game and where he felt that it was compared to where he wanted to be, and he very bluntly, you know, in the middle of the warm-up, and these can be 
dicey questions to ask during the warm-up. Be in the middle of the warm-up. So his game isn't where he wants it to be, but he knows what he needs to do, and now he's just got to execute. I thought he went out and absolutely backed it up tonight. Ken, what did you see from Pierre-Luc Dubois? Yeah, tremendous game. Uh, I mean, I got a couple notes already so far. I mean, uh, I asked Pierre-Luc in the final question of the scrum today, I said, I mean, your ice time was down a bit yesterday. I wondered if he had seen that or viewed it as a message sent by Rick Bonus, given his comments to us today that he controls ice time. And when guys aren't playing, he needs them to play with passion or else he's going to have to reduce their ice time. Um, you know, Pierre Luke said, uh, that's the coach's decision. I get played, paid to play. That's it. Uh, some people saw it as him being ticked off. I mean, I didn't view that necessarily. I, I I expected that to be that kind of an answer. Um, and, you know, the only thing that matters is how he plays. It doesn't matter what he says. I thought he was excellent today. He was back to his normal self. Uh, he was much more engaged. I mean, the one minor penalty probably he could have lived without. It was an offensive zone penalty. Uh, but his engagement was w- way higher than the game against the Devils. Um, and he was excellent. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Rick Bonus loved the response. And, you know, Pierre-Luc ex- did exactly what he told you needed to do. You know, five points in 12 games when his team was struggling to score goals was not good enough. And he elevated his game by getting to the net, which is where he feasts, right? I mean, that's, that's where he gets a good chunk of his points. And uh, when you're willing to go there, uh, you know, usually good things happen. Um, his ice time was not quite at the normal level sean it was finished at 1524 but i mean with the jets taking the four minor penalties they essentially took you know eight minutes of available ice time away uh, in that situation so i thought dubois was excellent uh, i love the fact uh, you know i like the way the lines were put together uh, this is something that we talked about a ton last year sean when Pierre-Luc dubois is carrying the puck and bringing people to him Yes. I think that he can utilize Nikolai Ehlers' speed much in the same way that Kyle Connor can operate in that regard when he's been in that pairing with Dubois for a good chunk of the last two years. Um, so, you know, and Blake Wheeler was on that line today as well. I think that line had its moments. And, you know, I thought his game overall was absolutely excellent. How about yourself? Uh- well, you know, you, you mentioned it. You talked about it drawing people into him. What I saw from him tonight is he picked up the sp- the puck and he just skated with speed through the neutral zone. And you can see what happens is he just unabashedly takes it right up the middle. But he kind of does this little wave back and forth as he's doing it. And what he does is he just kind of draws both defenders closer into him because all of a sudden one is getting ready to engage him because you have to be ready to engage him because he's so big and strong. If he decides to go in your direction, you kind of got to get prepared for him. And he just all night, I thought, just drew people into him, dished that puck off. Another thing I liked about it, Ken, one of the things that I wanted to see, we had these conversations about, you know, you wonder how much the Jets like the new power play units and you wonder how much they like their new lines. And, And the thing that I always think about when that happens is like, well, if you don't like the lines, then you probably should have done well on the line that you liked and the line you had, right? <laughs> like, you had your opportunity. Don't be upset that you have someone that you think is on your line that shouldn't be on your line. You had your opportunity. So one of the things that I liked is one of the goals that the, the Jets score tonight is Kyle Connor and Pierre Dubois get on the ice at the same time, and they make it happen. And that's what I think 
That's how, that's how you get on the line you want to get on. You get those little shoulder shifts where one guy who's not on your line gets on the ice and you're on as well. You think you've got chemistry with that player? Show in that little flash of time that you have that chemistry. They showed that tonight, and I thought that was an important step for the Winnipeg Jets on this night. I thought that Mark Shifley really, really, really showed tonight, Ken, that he wants to be on a line with Kyle Connor. I thought Kyle Connor woke up tonight off Mark Shifley well. This is the kind of stuff that you want to see. We've talked about this in the past. How much of these lines that uh, Rick Bonus has been putting together are wow, I actually think this is going to work. And how much of these lines coming together has been Rick Bonus essentially saying, listen, I'm sending you a message. You're not doing this. You're not going to the net enough. So I'm going to put Saku Menelainen on your line because I know he'll go to the net and he's going to drag you to the net with him. You don't like that? Well, just start playing like that. Remember, we haven't heard it for so long, Ken, but remember this Winnipeg Jets team was supposed to be at their best when they looked, when all four lines looked yeah. and played like each other? It's been we a while. heard that for a long time. <laughs> and the lines have really kind of not really looked like anything. But I thought tonight it was important. If you are the Winnipeg Jets, if you're Kyle Connor, if you're Mark Shifley, if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois, if you're Nikolai Ehlers, if you want to play with a guy, then when the coach gives you an opportunity to play with a specific player, you better take that opportunity to make it happen tonight. And yes, I said earlier in this, in this uh, conver- conversation that, no, I don't like this. I don't like that the Jets didn't push back more. Yeah, they went out and they got their goals when that happened, but there was no point in this game where they just basically went and grabbed the puck and said, you guys think you can do this to us all game? That's not going to happen. I didn't see that kind of pushback, but I did see in the moments where there were chemistry with players that they flashed the chemistry. It's important to flash the chemistry for a team that can't score because tonight they showed that they can score, and I thought that one of the reasons they showed they could score is because they were so hungry to prove to their coach who they wanted to play with and who they wanted opportunities going forward with. And I think they showed that tonight, and I think it's a good thing heading forward. Yeah, I mean, I think it's this is what we've been talking about, and I talked about it on the pregame show with John Shannon and Kelly Moore. I mean, the Jets need to find a line for Nikolai Ehlers, or he needs to you know, impose his will to be on a line, whoever that's with, whether that's with Pierre-Luc Dubois or Mark Shifley. He just needed more minutes. So today... You know, Ehlers' minutes were still, you know, relatively low, 13 and change. But, uh, you know, he got things going on the power play. thought he was moving his feet better. And overall, it was a step in the right direction. I mean, you're right. I mean, Mark Shifley has had a number of different line mates this year. Hasn't played a lot with Kyle Connor. Started the year with Kyle Connor, but hasn't played a lot with him. And today, those guys had their chemistry uh, set working very well. Um, you know, a lot of the same things we still talked about were happening. Third and fourth lines, not a lot of generation there. They need more. Um, but, you know, overall, you know, I thought Sam Gagne did a nice job coming into the lineup. And, Sean, this is one of the most shocking developments that I've seen. Um, you know, Sam Gagne, take a, take a wild stab at how many NHL fights Sam Gagne has now had uh, after dropping the gloves with Vincent Trocek. And I'm going to give you a hint. It's more than you think. Okay, I'm going to say... It's a super stumper for you. I'm going to say 11 fights. Oh, did you look it up? No, I didn't. Right. Yes, yeah, 11 I'm right? fights. Nice okay. job. 
Man, I okay, put that, well, I set you up nicely for that one. That's the I'm equivalent gonna... of me finding you for the backdoor tapping right there. Ah, there, there we on go. a Friday gonna... afternoon at River Heights, right there. There you go. I'm going to tell you a funny little story <laughs> about this. So we're in Feisty MSG. Sam Gagne. Uh, we're in MSG, and clearly the Winnipeg Jets are just kind of going to kind of leave and go out and enjoy the city tonight. They're probably not on tomorrow, so it's not the situation where everyone's hopping on a team bus. Guys were kind of all over the building. I, I had a little bit of trouble finding my way up to you here, Ken. Uh, and so I rode <laughs> the elevator say, up and down. Oh, geez. Oh, no, look at this. I rode the elevator up and down for quite a long time today uh, and <laughs> to try and figure it out. And as I was riding down before I was heading back up, uh, <laughs> Sam Gagne ends up hopping on the uh, elevator. And those who don't know, Ken will know this, but those who don't know, Sam Gagne is just about as nice a person as you could possibly meet in your life. Right off the bat, crowded elevator gives me a heads up. But he gets on, and he just happens to be getting on the elevator with his sister. His sister lives in New York City. His sister is an actress in New York City. Boy, oh, boy, great parents that had their kids follow their dreams, eh? No doubt. Uh, Love it. But she came to school in New York and now lives here. I had a little interesting conversation with her. Was she uh, in town for Sam's 1,000th game in Winnipeg? Yes, she was. Did she leave her heart in Winnipeg? No, she didn't. She didn't want, want to make sure she didn't have to come pick it up afterwards. Um, but I'd asked her about the fight. She'd said, it's not one of the things that I like to watch. And it got me thinking. I didn't go look things up, but it got me thinking a little bit more often that, yeah, I can now remember Sam Ghani having got in some fights. And her response to that was clearly his sister doesn't like the fights, doesn't like to see him getting in them. And he's got in enough of them for her to not want to see them. Uh, great family. Seven great with guy. the Oilers, buddy. Seven. Yeah. Seven fights with the Oilers. Well, he took two turns there. That's where the, the majority of his games are, is it not, in Edmonton? Yeah, I mean, and for sure. That's a lot of fights. Well, when you're younger, you kind of got to carve your way out in the league, especially in the league that he came into, right? Don't you think? That's an interesting one. I never got to tell this story. We should tell it about Jacob Truba today. Uh, sure. we, you and I were uh, were chatting with him. You and Mikey had a lot longer conversation with him. I had to bail out and go talk to some other people. But I, I had asked him if, like, I said, listen, I don't want to besmirch your time with the Winnipeg Jets, but... Is it not fairly obvious that you hit a lot more and have a lot more devastating hits now that you're with New York? And and his his idea was, or he'd said, most definitely that's the case. I said, well, why is it? He says, I'm not going looking for them. He thinks it's that the league is changing, right? He thinks right. that as the league changes and gets smaller, uh, and this was a story we did on Sportsnet a little while ago, for the first time a couple of years ago, the average weight of an NHLer dropped below 200 pounds for the first time since the early 90s so jacob truba is not getting bigger per se in that he's growing or getting bigger and stronger but he is getting bigger because the league is getting smaller and jacob truba thinks that may have something to do with the idea of why he's laying so much bigger and devastating hits nowadays because the average nhl is getting smaller and he's just that much bigger it goes to the point that at one time when he was coming into the league, Sam Gagne, I think you were still expected to carve out your space in that league back then. So no doubt I wouldn't be surprised at all that he would have fought more earlier in his career with the Edmonton Oilers. That league doesn't exist anymore. I mean, we haven't had to see a guy like Cole Perfetti skate around and carve out his space on the ice in the NHL. A much different time when uh, uh, when Sam Gagne started playing the first of his thousands of games or thousandth uh, plus games. 
Yeah, no doubt. A couple of quick things there, and I know the the folks have been asking in the in the chat room. And Sean, we were both part of the conversation with Rick Bonus. Um, I have no idea why Rick was so guarded when it came to information about Cole Perfetti, but I can assure the people and the conspiracy theorists that are out there, uh, this was not Cole Perfetti being held out for trade-related reasons. It was not. This is not a <laughs> Jacob Chikrin or Vladislav Gavrikov situation. Cole Perfetti got hurt in the game against the Devils. I did see him, and I'm guessing you did also. He was standing outside the Jets' room. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see a sling. I didn't see anything. I saw him with you know both hands in his jacket. So we don't know the severity of the injury, but this isn't a phantom injury because the Jets are trying to be concerned about over trade value or anything else. Just because you see a rumor that involves a player doesn't mean that the player is going anywhere or is being held out. Cole got hurt. I mean, if I had to take a you know, you know if I had to take an educated guess. I would imagine he has an injury that is perhaps related to what we thought was a shoulder problem that kept him out earlier this year. Um, you know, Rick Bonus was very guarded. Uh, I called it intentionally vague in my story. Um, you know, he didn't want to talk about what happened, when it happened, how long he'll be out, when he'll be looked at again, could he be an option Wednesday. Uh, Rick Bonus had no interest in any of those questions. Uh, I think he probably wished we had moved on, but I mean. When a top six player is not going to be in the lineup, it's news. And you'd like to know, you know, I understand it's that time of year where things are going to be quiet and everything else, else, right, Sean? But, I mean, it seemed a little bit odd to me that Rick was so guarded. And it was also guarded um, that he didn't say who was coming out for Logan Stanley today. Don't Didn't you think that was also odd? Especially if it was Sam. It was super odd. The guy that he's in competition odd. with. I mean, if it was that simple, just say it. I mean, we understand, and we've talked about it the last while. I mean, Dylan Sandberg's best game was on Saturday. I thought he was pretty solid. Oh, sorry, not Saturday. Wednesday in Columbus. I thought he was solid in the game. Sorry, Thursday in Columbus. My calendar is off. The game Sunday, he was solid also. I mean, if that was, you know, Rick not wanting to say that, you know, he's taking a good player out of the lineup, then fine. But that it led me to believe that he was maybe considering, you know, sitting out one of his veterans in order to bring Logan Stanley in. But regardless, Rick said after the game, it just he didn't want to have him sitting down, and we'll move on after that. But um, on another unrelated note, I thought that the – I know you didn't stick around because you were you know gathering uh, information with other people, but um, you saw it in the time that we spent with Jacob today. Yeah. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time discussing it, and I got a, I'll have a story on sportsnet.ca tomorrow. Uh, but, man, this is a guy who – is so comfortable in his surroundings, um, so much maturity. Um, you know, we we know what kind of leader he's grown into with this team. We heard how, you know, Gerard Gallant was gushing about him, talked about how, you know, the game where he got into a fight and threw his helmet against Chicago, kind of got their season turned around. And, yeah, I mean, it just it's impressive to see, and it's a story that I look forward to writing uh, because this is a guy who's really... You know, it's natural. He's going to be 29 this month. He's grown up a lot, uh, matured, and, you know, I, he's really flourishing here. After a really tough first season, um, when he admitted, you know, when you sign a big-ticket contract like that and, you know, you, you're coming off a 50-plus point season, um, you know, now he's got to the situation where he knows Adam Fox is the offensive driver. He focuses on the shutdown part of the game, still contributes some offense, and is just an excellent leader and, 
you know, quite frankly, the Jets miss a lot of the qualities that Jacob Truba uh, brings to the table. And that's a natural segue to um, Josh Morrissey. But let, we should probably go, let's go uh, Lou quickly here. We'll go sure. quick hit, 44 yeah, why minutes. Don't you give us, why don't you give a shout-out to both he and uh, Kenny Okay, bang them, uh, bang them both out in, yeah. in the same thing. For the folks in the realty market, whether you're buying, selling, just curious what the house down the street's worth or maybe looking to move to another neighborhood, you can contact Lou Ferlin of Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. He can be reached at 204-791-9971 or at the office. 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. And Lou's email or uh, website is www.louferlin.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this show, which we are very proud to have him on board. And speaking, Love, speaking of community engagement, we're proud to be sponsored by a local organization that supports our communities, Cambrian Credit Union. In 2022, Cambrian committed over $350,000 in donations and sponsorships to organizations who strengthen our communities in the areas of arts and culture, community care, health and wellness, financial literacy, and education. If you know of a local organization that could use additional support this year in 2023, Consider applying for funding by visiting their website at cambrian.mb.ca and searching donations. You can also find them on social media by searching the hashtag Cambrian Communities. That's hashtag C-A-M-B-R-I-A-N capital C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-I-E-S. Sean, both of us are proud members at Cambrian Credit Union and uh, we know they're doing fantastic things both in the branches, and especially in the community. You betcha. Okay, let's move on. Uh, I'm going to pick up where you left off. Josh Morrissey, not the MVP of the Winnipeg Jets, on this night. On this night. I will admit to at least the very... I will at least admit to, admit to that. But I will say this, uh, and I was having a conversation with Richard Medeiros about this while the game was happening. It says a lot on a night where Josh Morrissey, A... Scored the, well, I guess he didn't score the first goal, but he got the ball rolling. He's the, the main reason that first goal goes in. You know, so once again, at a time when the Jets needed to get going, Josh Morrissey was there to get them going. And on a night where Josh Morrissey, Morrissey sets the record for the most points by a Winnipeg Jets defenseman in a single season with how many games left to go here? We're at 25 games left to go, is it, Ken, at this stage? Wow, this is going to be something for him. Great job by him. Uh, but I will say this, on this night, not the MVP, I still think that this is a pretty good horse race between he and Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck definitely took a, a sprint down the back end tonight here, though. But I wanted to talk about Morrissey uh, versus Fox because you brought him up here on this night. I personally think that these kind of games are important. I think the people who vote on these awards, I think it's their responsibility on nights like this to try and take these games in and see what these players look like head-to-head. Uh, I think it's important because uh, if you take a look at another guy who would be in this conversation, Jonathan Dolan, um, the first game that the Buffalo Sabres played the Winnipeg Jets, I thought Josh Morrissey showed he was the better of those two defensemen. But the next time they played, Jonathan Dolan had a phenomenal Rasmus, game. Rasmus, oh, sorry, Rasmus, Rasmus. You got that. Rasmus, I mean, Dolan, all good. I got the Dolan right. Um, I think people knew who I was talking about. 
Rasmus was the better of the two the next night out. So I loved that I got to see those two players go head-to-head because I thought I saw the best of Josh Morrissey on one night and I thought I saw the best of Rasmus Dahlin on another night. Tonight here, to me, it looks clear and evident from what I've seen that Josh Morrissey is the more capable of those two defenders. Anyone who's out there, and and I don't know about you, Ken, but we're starting to see it happen. We're starting to see a real push for Fox, trying to get him into the Norris conversation. I don't see him at the same level as Josh Morrissey defensively. I don't see him at the same level as Josh Morrissey offensively. I think games like this matter when they go head-to-head because I think, you know, just like Connor Hellebuck tonight who stared across the ice at the most recent Vesna Trophy winner, I think part of him went out and said, yeah, I'm going to show the hockey world tonight on a national game uh, who is the better of the two goaltenders right now. And he went out and he did it. I thought Josh Morrissey did the same thing uh, if we're talking about defensemen against Adam Fox. Yeah, I mean, I think Adam Fox is, you know, having a solid season. But, you know, tonight Morrissey was the better D-man, no doubt about that. I think Fox uh, is improved his defensive play. Uh, but, I mean, I thought Morrissey was excellent today, Sean. There's no doubt about that. I thought he was very good in a lot of, you know, in all fronts. And, you know, they got the power play going. That's something we've been talking about. The power play has been struggling. Uh, no doubt about it. And, you know, they needed to, quite frankly. And, you know, shot, good puck movement, good shot. Goes in off of Dubois, and it's point number 57. I mean, Josh was very, you know, it was, it was really a big point of pride. Um, for him to get to 57 points and to pass Dustin Bufflin, who is his first partner. Uh, we know the story about how Dustin Bufflin went to Paul Maurice and said, give me the kid. I want him to play on my partnership. And he did. And he was really, you know, took a lot of pride and, and thanked Dustin Bufflin for all the things that he, you know, showed him in terms of showing the ropes as he broke into the NHL and things of that nature. Um. I want to touch on something that you were talking about before. I, I think this is really interesting. Uh, you talked about kind of the quietness of Rick Bonus, uh, who really the hallmark of him earlier on and for most of the season has been very bluntly honest. It feels like that honesty and that bluntness is starting to kind of slip away. I thought, as you were talking about it before the game, uh, it was definitely evident that he was not sharing as much as he typically would share. Even after the game, this is the kind of game in the past that uh, Rick Bonus would come out and say, look, we can't be doing that. We can't be hanging our goaltender out on a night like tonight. This was one of those nights where he kind of just said, you know, happy to get the two points. That was the message that he wanted to get across. Um, what do you take away from the idea that the you know heavy dose of blunt criticism and truth serum that we have become to know Rick Bonus for seems to be fading as the year is going on? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't have a full theory, but it's it's interesting to see the change intact, I guess, if you will. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. I mean, he thought the focus had to clearly be on his own team, which is accurate. But, you know, after spending the majority of the year saying how, you know, they were in this battle for first place and with that comes a responsibility, it almost seemed like he was kind of pushing back in terms of the expectations, not in terms of the internal expectations, but in terms of talking about them publicly, almost as though that that battle with Dallas had become a bit of a burden, which is interesting because we've talked about that a lot about expectations over the last couple of years where, you know, there weren't really, you know, there were great expectations last year that just didn't live up to. And then this year there were, you know, minimal expectations from the majority of the folks outside the market. 
and suddenly they're in a battle for first place. So I think it was almost like, you know, when you're when you're a jockey in the race, you kind of, instead of going to the, you know, in the old school days, they don't do it anymore uh, very often, but instead of going to the whip, it felt like he was just letting the horses run at a regular pace and seeing what was going to happen uh, with them, I guess, if you will. So I certainly found it interesting. Um, in terms of the guardedness, that was a little bit strange for Rick. He's been so direct over the course of the year. Um, you know, he's still pretty direct. I mean, after the game today, Sean, I mean, you know, he was asked about Mark Scheifele's response after the turnover, and he said, hey, that's the way you like to see a guy respond. If you give one up, you got to get it back, and, you know, that's what Mark Scheifele did. But I'll be curious. I mean, we're always kind of looking for clues. I know, Sean, you're big on body language. For me, I'm super interested to see, A, how the Jets respond on Wednesday, and B, what kind of, you know, where will we be seeing the massaging and where are we going to be seeing the, you know, the, the metaphorical cracking of the whip when it comes to Rick Bonus and how he assesses, you know, how he assesses some things. Uh, you know what? I, the, the thing that stands out to me and you and I and Mike had a conversation as we were traveling out there. What a fun train ride. Oh, man, too. what a great that day. Was that? Yep. that was neat. You had a note uh, to the practice facility, which is way outside New York. Had this conversation about this. Um, the thing that I find interesting about all of this is Rick Bonus came in, and for us it was a breath of fresh air to have a coach who would actually tell you what you were seeing on the ice, right? The Jets had a bad game tonight. If they had a bad game, he'd come out and he'd say, yeah, we had a bad game tonight, whereas we were used to a coach for years who would come out and say, you know, like, oh, I like that game or however it would go. We know it was, we know it was power of positivity, Paul Maurice, but it was power of positivity yep. in a way that he just couldn't tell you what you were actually seeing on the ice. And then Rick Bonus came out, and he was blunt, and he was honest, and he was like that with his players, and he wasn't afraid to be critical where criticism was due and where it had been earned by those players. And the players seemed to really respond to it. And it just seemed like it was like, and that's how the Winnipeg Jets season went, and it was great, and it was, you know, everyone locked hands, and it was great. Well, the Winnipeg Jets, I think it was easy early on because things were going so well that when their coach was on them and being critical – and they weren't, you know, going on losing streaks and they'd come back and win the next game. It felt like, yeah, great. We responded really well. Everything's fine. The interesting part about it right now is the Winnipeg Jets, you know, before this game tonight, you know, some people are ready to hang up the mission accomplished banner after giving up 50 shots on a, <laughs> 51 shots on a night like tonight. I'm not ready to do it. But before this, over the last 12 games, the Winnipeg Jets, I talked about it in my opening, they were a sub 500 team, two games under 500 in their previous 12 games, and only three of those games were against teams above the playoff line. This is a time that the Jets should have been sprinting up the standings, and instead they've found a way to fall. It's not a very good thing. And so I think what we're seeing for the first time is we're seeing how the Winnipeg Jets are responding to that harsh criticism when things aren't going well. Right. When all of a sudden and, you know, Josh Morrissey touched on this. I don't know how many people remember or watch the postgame interview I had with them after that comeback win right before the break that they had against St. Louis. But he admitted to there being tension between the players, between the coaching staff, between the media. He admitted to all that. And and you have to wonder how a team that for so many years has been shielded from all this by one coach. And now you get another coach who comes in and says, "Yeah, no, you're not playing. You're not playing well. You're playing bad. You need to play better." Well, when you turn around and play better right away, it, it doesn't hurt so much. But when the Jets have kind of been mired in a hole, which they pretty much have been. 
for the last month. I think that starts to sting a little bit more. And I think what we're seeing from Rick Bonus is a sensing that him being hard on his players at this time, they're not taking it well. And I think what we're seeing from him is learning the psychology of his team and that his team maybe needs a little bit of that power of positivity at a time like this. That's what I take away from it because Rick Bonus is definitely not talking like he did in the past. Tonight's response to that game was nowhere near what that response, what his response to that game would have been a couple months ago. I think he is in the process of trying to build this team's confidence back up and has decided at some point that telling them how poorly they're playing probably isn't helping that. And maybe that Rick Bonus will return at some point, the one who is highly critical and gets on his players with the expectation they turn it around tomorrow. But I think he's realizing right now to get the Jets back to where he wants them to be, it's not a snap them back to attention in one day. It's going to be a little bit of a process that's going to take a little bit more care and a little bit more babying, for lack of a better word. That's what I'm taking away from the whole thing. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. And uh, just one quick thing, and again, this is... Could be nothing, could be something, but again, we're looking for clues. It's that time of year. Uh, the Jets had Kevin Day off. They had Larry Simmons and Craig Eisinger, uh, two assistant general managers, were all in the building today. And for what it's worth, and again, like I said, it could be nothing, but while we were in the room doing interviews, Kevin Dayoff took some time to go over to, you know, head equipment, head equipment manager Jason McMaster to have a quick conversation. I mean, I don't know if that means someone's coming in, someone's going out. I have no idea. Doesn't mean it's a trade. It could be a regular call-up. Uh, you know, could be just having to get someone's equipment ready uh, for something else. But, uh, you know, we'll continue to keep our eyes uh, eyes, eyes, and ears peeled. But uh, the Jets are going to be off on, on Tuesday, so we're not expecting um, any, any kind of news unless something is announced by the team or in case a deal uh, comes together at some point. And like I said, I'm not saying there is one coming together and we'll just see how it goes. I mean, we're getting close to the, uh, you know, the witching hour for lack of a better term, since we're both stuck in the dark here. And, you know, another interesting thing to monitor, Sean, at trade deadline time here, uh, Vegas Golden Knights officially putting Mark Stone on LTIR. So that's, that's a situation that we'll be monitoring also. We know that, you know, that the Vegas Golden Knights have been a team that have been, you know, occasionally linked to Timo Meyer or that would, you know, in the, in the short term, they have room with Stone going on LTI. Uh, long term, that could be a bit of a challenge in terms of uh, juggling with the salary cap. But, I mean, we know that Vegas has made room for players before. Uh, Patrick Kane, I think, is a guy they, they would have some interest in and have been watching. Uh, and he would, you would, for a team that hasn't scored enough during the playoff runs, Patrick Kane would make a lot of sense for them too as well. And uh, we'll, we'll be monitoring the Patrick Kane situation as well. And Sorry, and one thing that... I, I just got to get out. I meant to do it the last two games. Um, you know, thoughts are with uh, Paul Gerard's family, Sean. I mean, yeah. passed away uh, earlier in the week, and uh, it was really, you know, it was touching to hear Brendan Dillon talk about him. Uh, for myself personally, you know, I got to, you know, I had to have a couple conversations. I don't say I know Paul Gerard well. Whenever he would roll through the American League or when he was in the NHL, uh, always tried to say hello and, and have conversations with him. Incredibly passionate individual, uh, proud Winnipegger, and just someone that touched a lot of lives. Uh, had a huge impact on players and people, and I'd meant to mention his name. And you know, our condolences go out to uh, his entire family. 
and those in the hockey hockey community that knew him well. Uh, he was a great human being, and uh, he will be greatly missed. You talked about him touching lives. I got a, uh, a text uh, after he passed away from my good friend Aaron Wold, who I played mm-hmm. hockey with for years, a great hockey player. Um, he said, this was my next-door role model growing up. So absolutely sad. So you're right. Touched a lot of lives, a lot that we see in the league and a lot that we don't see, you know, people around the game of hockey in Winnipeg, no doubt. Oh, I just wanted to say something here because someone talked about it. Uh, or Eric Horley since said, said Winnipeg also gets referenced from the Simpsons a lot too. So um, I, I just, I'm bringing this up because I actually had this conversation with someone from New York. The reason why Winnipeg always shows up in the Simpsons, I don't know how many people know this, but Matt Groening, the, the creator of the series, his dad was actually from Winnipeg and Homer Simpson, the character is based on his dad. So Homer Simpson is essentially a Winnipegger. So the, why you hear the back to all right, back to Winnipeg and those kind of things in the show. The reason Winnipeg is top of mind is because that was the hometown of a guy's dad. So like for me, Dryden, Ontario, I know all about Dryden, Ontario, because that's where my old man was from. Uh, so that's that situation. Time to uh, lock things down here. Uh, give me just one second uh, because I need to find it uh, before we move on with this. Um, Oh, oh my goodness. Um, I'm having a hard time finding my home field comment. Is there anything you'd like to say, Ken, before uh, we shut this down? No, I'm like I said, just curious to see how the Jets respond next. Like you said, I mean, they know that they got an unbelievable performance from their netminder. Uh, they'll need to be a lot better on Wednesday. But when a team is struggling to get wins, and as you mentioned, Sean, especially wins against really good teams, They'll take them any way they can get them, and then they have to try to build on some of the other things that they weren't good enough at. Um, you know, special teams, they were excellent, and, you know, 5-on-5, five five, they got three goals. So uh, they have some things they would like to do better, obviously, but there's pieces of the template that they can sort of put down as the foundation and then see what happens uh, from there. Okay, uh, before I go on, I forgot to announce our Lamplighter winner. That would be oh, yeah. FRW546. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won the uh, Frosty Delicious A pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale from the last show, so you know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds, your full name, and an email. I can send you that too. And you too will have your own Frosty Delicious A pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. And it is also time to throw a spotlight on the comments that stand out for the Home Field Dig Deeper Award. And tonight it is going to Richard Medeiros, who says, Thank you, Krakens, uh, the Seattle Kraken, for picking Appleton over DeMello. Ken, I remember you and I having this conversation and being absolutely baffled and dumbfounded that the Seattle Kraken did not take Dylan DeMello when this happened. I had wondered if the Winnipeg Jets had heard at some point through the scouts that Dylan DeMello was not on their list or that they wouldn't be taking him. It was the only thing that made sense to me that they would have exposed him. Clearly, they got uh, Mason Appleton back wasn't a fit with them. He sure is a fit with the Winnipeg Jets, so it all has turned out. But something tells me that had Dylan DeMello been taken by the Seattle Kraken, he would not have found his way back to Winnipeg. Uh, so congratulations, Richard Medeiros. Thank you for your winning comment. And just like Richard Medeiros, Homefield is always going to dig deeper to find the best marketing solution for your company. Find out how at myhomefield.com. 
Ca. Throw the logo up from our friends at Homefield who do such a great job. And of course, Richard Medeiros, all you have to do is get a hold of me. I know you have my contact information because you're contacting me right in the middle of the show today. And I've always got time for my good friend, Richard Medeiros. So send me your full name. I know what it is. And an email. I know what that is too. And I'm going to send you a voucher for your very own Kenny and Rennie Homefield trunk shovel. It's the best. Better get it while the snow's still in the city. Uh, great job by you. Great job by the rest of the chat room. Great job by you, Ken. And I got to say this, as I always do before I end the show, is if you appreciate the conversations happening in these spaces, please, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep these conversations going in this space for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, TransCanada Brewing Company, the Johnson Group, Lou Ferlin, Homefield, and of course, Cambrian Credit Union. Welcome back to them. Thank you so much, everybody. A day off in New York for Ken and I tomorrow after that. We are back with a Sportsnet Wednesday night hockey broadcast between the Winnipeg Jets and the New York Islanders. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll see you then.